you are listening to Blockchain Beat. This episode was previously featured on the Blockchain PR podcast. Hi there, my name is Ana Paula Picasso and you are listening to the Blockchain PR podcast. This is the last episode of the year. Me and Dennis Malengro talked about two of the most important news of 2019, Facebook Libra and the rolling out of 5G connections. Dennis is a friend, advisor and public speaker specializing in digital trends. to you there is no script so we're just chatting and i remember you saying uh, facebook libra and 5g well well first of all i would insist that i i believe but this is my my view here that libra and 5g or the news around 5g this year these are the the, the two key topics of 2019 if you ask me well there were uh, plenty of other pieces of information but specifically libra and 5g i think were absolutely essential to um, to the way that digital society is taking shape so we can yeah. maybe start about libra I, I don't know exactly how you um you 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 do or you did approach both topics but we can start the way that you like well i i don't know a lot about 5g i just read some things in passing about china uh, Libra have been following a little bit closely because I do write about crypto. If you want to read about it, I write in. I didn't write about Facebook Libra, but I write for Coinfomania. Well, I think first that it is actually uh, very important to really have in mind that Libra is a Facebook ID, but it's not a Facebook project. And I think the difference between both is absolutely essential because most of the talks I can actually hear about Libra and the fees and the way that governments are approaching things is always, uh, are in this case always approaching a way that Libra is some sort of Facebook project. Uh, no, I think and it is important to, to remind to people that actually Libra is an ID for sure that, that was actually in Facebook store. But the way it was implemented, and this is, I think, quite innovative, if you ask me, is that they, 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 did, they actually did know that if they started such a big project on their own, mm-hmm. they would face such a strong regulation that it would be absolutely impossible to launch, uh, I mean, to roll out uh, in time. So what they actually did is building this association called the Libra Association, where they gathered up to 28 companies when they announced in June at the projects with the, 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 the ad hoc white paper. Of course, they, they lost like, I think, seven or eight members, but they are still 2021. 20, the goal being to be 100 members there to actually deal with, we will talk about it later, maybe the notes of the move blockchain, this is the name, dealing with, with, with Libra. So. To, to make a long story short, I would start by saying that it's really important to have in mind that we're talking about a Facebook ID, which is not a Facebook project, because Facebook is to be one out of a hundred companies to decide and to deal with the technology behind, which is, uh, as you know, the blockchain. I don't know how you actually position yourself on this, but I think this distinction is the way that we should always start a conversation where we discuss the ins and outs of, of Libra. You see, I didn't know that. I know of the Libra Association, but I didn't know it wasn't 
not really connected with Facebook because everybody calls it Facebook Libra. And this is the, the key point, actually. Yeah, the key, it's a key point indeed. When you have this in mind, and uh, then you can really start thinking, you know, not in a black or white way, but mm -hmm. with all the differences that we need. And if you look at, at the social um, mission that they are having with Libra, when, when you think of it, actually, the, the, the mission they have is quite noble, this idea that they want to actually help the unbanks be banks. If you believe uh, Martin Vail from, from Calibra, so Libra is the currency, or the digital currency, and Calibra mm -hmm. will be the physical wallets, among many others. But if you listen to, uh, to what, what Martin Vail from, from Calibra, uh, which is owned by Facebook, said at, at the Web Summit about that, it is a staggering numbers when you hear that actually 700 billions of dollars every year are made out of remittance. And that is what at least Martin Wade said there, that 50 billion out of the 700 billions are supported by the people having the least on this planet through the remittances. So they actually want to do to money what messaging did to text messages and calls, which is actually reducing prices drastically. And, and when you think of this mission, this is actually a good mission. But... And once you have this mission in mind, and you, and you, then, then you can have this distinction between idea and projects. You can really start to think like, okay, maybe we should not, you know, just chop the project because this is impulsed by Facebook with all the track record they have on, you know, evaluating privacy here. So that, that is why I think the project is interesting in trying to actually deal with money like they, they actually dealt with. Uh, with, with text messages and calls, which were, if you remember, super expensive at the time. Facebook Libra is a good idea on paper. Actually, funny mention that. Can I just read out a tweet I, I selected here? It was exactly what you just mentioned. Um, so this guy called Crypto Millionaire App, funnily enough, uh, Facebook Libra's, Facebook's Libra coin will be a useful and welcome on-ramp to cryptocurrency for billions of underbanked people, but never confuse it with a store of value. It you continuously lose its value by design. I think Facebook Libra is a good idea on paper. They're gonna tap into this massive market of remittance market, but I do have lots of concerns about privacy. You know, if you're already people already concerned about Facebook knowing too much of the privacy. Imagine if you, when you start to sending money, where you're going to spend your, your Facebook Libra, what your friends are going to spend your Facebook Libra with. So you're going to, it's going to be more data. Yeah, they say, no, it's not going to be connected with Facebook. Read an article here from Wired saying the Libra Association insists that access to payment data will be tightly controlled and the Libra user's data will not be shared with Facebook or other third parties. But still there is this concern with privacy. What do you think? Actually, in what you've just said here, I see actually two, two points that we must address. The first is this idea of stored value that you just mentioned through the tweets. And the second is about privacy. I would start by commenting on what you actually did say on, 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 on the idea of stored value, because I think there is a, a clear distinction to make, like, like I think it's 
important to have in mind that project is not ID and reverse. If we talk about the idea of stored value, and then I would take the example of uh, Bitcoin. So Bitcoin is using blockchain like Libra is, even though that Libra is using what we call the move, which is the name blockchain. But what is really interesting to have in mind is that actually Libra is to be a digital currency or cryptocurrency, which is kind of the same actually, I mean, words-wise. But a stable currency in the case of Libra, what they call actually stable coin in, in the cryptocurrency community. What does that mean? It means for the people not aware of that, that a stable coin is a coin that you actually pack to a currency, another one, or a basket of currencies. In the case of Libra, actually, the Libra will be packed to a basket of other currencies going by the name of the dollar, which will actually account for 50% of the reserve of the Libra, but also the pound, the euro, uh, the yen, and I've heard about the, uh, the Hong Kong dollar as well. So what does that mean? It is simple to understand. It is a one for one, actually. So you, you could actually have one Libra from one dollar, one Libra from one euro, etc. So actually this idea of stablecoin makes it like like currency like the way people know it and this is a big difference with bitcoin because actually bitcoin is not what we call a stable coin so bitcoin can actually be i would say the easy comparison would be to compare it to gold it is something that is actually very volatile so there is potentially a store of value let's take an example anybody who actually who actually did buy bitcoin 10 years ago and kept it uh, in the community, the community, they say holder, you know, like for, for the verb hold, I was just like changing letters L and D here. If they kept their money and still have it today, well, they actually made a lot of money there because this is having a lot of fluctuations. This is the idea of stock value that we compare to gold, which will not be possible for Libra. So really important to, to summarize this, that's the big difference between Bitcoin and Libra is Bitcoin is unstable and Libra is stable because it is packed to a basket of other currencies. That is the first point. And the second point, which is directly linked to what I've just said, is the way that they are using the technology we call blockchain. If we talk about Bitcoin, we will talk about what we call a permissionless blockchain, which is some sort of, you know, mathematics recipes dealing with what we call mining, not going into details, this is the technical side. So the permission is based on, you know, the approval of data to add a block to the chain is approved by computers around the world and, and computing stuff there. The big difference with Libra, which is not permission-less, but permission-based, is that the blockchain of Libra called the Move blockchain will be based on the permission for every block on the chain, approved by one of, uh, by a certain amount of members of the Libra Association. To say it with other words, I would explain this way. The goal is to have a hundred member within the Libra Association. Facebook will be one member among a hundred. That's why I said ID project difference. And one member will be responsible, so one member is one company. One member will be responsible for one node. And a certain amount of nodes will have to be approved for a transaction of Libra to be approved. This is what we mean by permission-based, based on the permission of a certain amount of nodes or companies part of the association and not outside the association.
So that is the other big difference between permissionless, the Bitcoin side, which is unstable, like a store valued you can compare to gold, and Libra, which is based on permission, limited to the member of the association, and which is stable because packed to other currencies. So that will be my first point. A last comment before explaining, or I mean sharing comment on the point of privacy. A last comment of this first uh, point you addressed through the tweets. The interesting thing in the white paper of Libra project is that actually the vision is for Libra within the course of the next five years to move from a permission-based blockchain to a permissionless blockchain. And actually the, there is, for anybody interested in, in digging the topic, a very interesting article, which is called something like, is Facebook the next CompuServe? CompuServe was a company that was actually building a new business model that was skinning the company itself. So if we think long-term, by potentially claiming, praising they want to move from permission-based to permissionless, like Bitcoin does today, the very way Facebook or Uber or any company is using this idea of a, a structuring, a structured company works today could be actually being disrupted by their own innovation insights. That's a bit complicated, but if I may suggest to just look up on the internet for one article that I, that I found eye-opening in the topic, just type, is Facebook the next CompuServe? C-O-M-P-U-S-E-R-V-E in one word, CompuServe. I can, I can look it up and put the link in the description. Excellent. So th that was my broad comments on um, the stored value you did mention. Is it clear on your side before I move on? Yeah, that's very, very good. Um, one personal question to you. Would you use Facebook Libra? I would love to use a permissionless Libra in a non-Facebook wallet. What, does I, what do I mean by that? As I said before, if everybody followed on that, Facebook will be one vote or one node among hundreds within the association. So Facebook will be actually building a digital wallet that they call Calibra, which is also the name of, of the branch they actually uh, opened with the project. And so actually they will integrate or embed the Calibra wallet within WhatsApp, Messenger, and other services along transferring money here but what they said is that with the move blockchain they have any company can actually build the wallets to use the libra so i would be to answer your question interested in using the libra but not using libra via the calibra wallets why because as you did mention and it allows me to answer the second point which is about privacy it is that actually i am kind of wary of Facebook, because actually, even though I must admit they changed the world for so many reasons in a good way, the business model they have doesn't work, or at least doesn't work anymore. And we have plenty of studies to actually back what I'm saying here. So as long as they stick to this business model, it is, I think, kind of detrimental for society. And this is some sort of, you know, being current with myself to actually spends more time with services that I think are moving in the right direction. So I would say Facebook is a fantastic tool for society. Nothing is black or white, but they have to change that business model, definitely. So on the privacy side, they did promise that they will not match the data from Calibra wallets with the data from Facebook for advertising purposes. Mm -hmm. That is their promise on the side, but 
you know, words are words and words are not actions. And if of you look course. at the past, let me take only one example. Mm. A couple of years ago, in 2014, before Facebook announced they did buy out WhatsApp for near for over 20 billion dollars, they were actually asked by the European Commission to prove that they will not in the future match the data from WhatsApp with the data from Facebook. And they said, of course, we will not. But if we look at the present time, this year, Facebook did announce that in 2020, they will be merging messaging, I mean, WhatsApp, Messenger, and Instagram Direct, which was shut down earlier this year. So they actually lied on that point, and they were fined, I think, $124 million or something by the commission, which is pocket money for Facebook. So no, if we look at the track records, we cannot just um, trust them on the words. So we really need to find that balance. I, I think on the idea of using Libra, because it is a Facebook ID, but not projects for the reason I mentioned, it is relevant to consider using Libra in the future. But when it comes to using the wallets from Facebook and not from another uh, service provider, that's another question. Yeah, it just makes, it makes me think that if I, if I myself will use Facebook Libra, I don't think I would. Obviously, I have some concerns about privacy, but I don't see much use for me. Um, I'm here in Sweden. It's already a cashless society. We, you know, everybody's banked. Uh, we do have an app called Swish. It's very, it's very, everybody uses Swish. It's a P2P um, payments app. And also you can pay in shops with Swish as well. So I don't see much use for me here in Sweden or in, a, let's say, in a more developed banked country. Uh, on the other hand, you know, being from Brazil and there's lots of people don't have bank accounts or people is to use, if, even if they do have bank accounts, cash is to used for everything. Okay, people have more more smartphones than bank accounts, and Facebook knows it. Obviously, they're doing this because of that. But I don't know how it would be in a developing country, like for mass adoption on a day-to-day basis. What do you think? Do you think it's be more useful for developing countries where not everybody's where everybody's unbanked? most of people are unbanked before i think that's an important point the, the idea of developing countries here but but before because i, I think words are, are important here you yeah. said i would not use a facebook libra but based off my comment before my question for you would be would you would you be like would you be willing to use the libra of xyz company instead of the libra of facebook i mean like not using the Calibra wallet, but XYZ wallet built by any company you trust. Well, that, that would be a question, question of would that we use any stable coin? Um, and, and, and what for? And what for? Exactly, what mention... for? I don't, like, like I said, for me in Sweden, I don't see the use of me to use a stable coin on a day-to-day basis in a like transaction. I don't see it. I don't see it. the use for me. For instance, just today, I use Swish probably two or three times just to pay for things without cash. 
and but obviously just within Sweden. Well, I, I don't know if I question... answered your question. I don't know if I answered your question. Yeah, I, I think oh. you're actually sharing. Yeah, sharing your mind on on the, on the question of the what for. Yeah. But on, on my side, I'm, if I am thinking about what I could use Libra for or any stable coin, I, I think you, you rephrased it the proper way. I mean, if we're not talking about Facebook by making the difference, the question would be, are you willing to use a stable coin or a digital stable coin? Mm -hmm. And I, I think if I'm thinking about the potential relevance of using it, I would say, I mean, personally, I would see potentially three reasons there. The first, which would be some sort of holistic vision here, is this idea that's moving to some sort of cashless society, like China did a couple of years ago, and um, getting privacy-related questions aside, of course, I would say this is confidence-wise much, much better than carrying like your bank cards or your cash or anything like that. I mean, I don't know if you've been to China, but the way that they actually use QR codes for any payment, whether it is big store or this very small grocery store at the corner of a street, it's just amazing. And this is like the perfect seamless payment experience you can find on this planet, I would say. I mean, as far as I'm concerned. So this idea of moving from a much more confidence cashed society, which make it as long as we fix the privacy issues that are, that are really tough to address, would be definitely a, a very strong point for me to use any stable coin that will make sense. The question, by the way, could be, uh, should that be backed by governments, by privates, or by both sides? That's another question, which is very important around sovereignty. So th that, that would be a first reason, and maybe the, the, like the holistic reason. The, the two other reasons there, which would actually be, I would say part of the first point I did mention would be examples here. But the first example that I have in mind, and uh, you, you know that as well, you are, you know, eating out with family, friends, and, you know, you are kind of paying the bills together or sharing, you know, what you pay or you want to give a tip because the service was good. If we can move money, like we move information through messaging, that would be much, much more easier to use such a system, you know. I don't know in Sweden, but in Belgium, we, we have, obviously, I have apps to, you know, for digital payments, but it is still, you know, uh, some sort of friction there that I think we can definitely improve the experience. And another example, which maybe should come first, uh, because that, that, that is an experience, something that I experienced lately, is that for payments abroad, I was in Hungary, uh, I was hungry, in Hungary. Uh, that's, that's a stupid... Uh, Fair enough. <laughs> so I was in Hungary uh, last summer. And Were you me, hungry in Hungary? Exactly, yeah. Yeah, right. okay. So you, when I had to, you eat something. When I had to pay the bill there, yeah, when I had to pay the bill there, actually, I, I did pay with my bank cards. I know that we have, you know, Revolut, new banks and all mm -hmm. these services mm -hmm. today that, that can really help uh, save on, on, on the cost there. But I, I was not very much aware of that at the time. And I actually was paying a, a near like 20 euro just for transaction, just for my bank to take some money from there. And I was really angry, you know, because just by being hungry in Hungary, you, know, you get my point, to pay so much for that. So that would potentially be... Hold, hold on, hold on, you paid 20 euros of bank uh, fees. To be precise, it was near, I, I think it was 16.95 or something like but that. But still, yeah, that was, just for yeah, that one transaction. 
just for one transaction. Yeah, it was a big chunk there. So oh well, I was paying for What's your I, I was paying for the, close your account. <laughs> yeah, I, well, I, I must be precise. I was paying for the whole group there, and uh, the what I had to pay. Because, so I was paying with my card, and they were like uh, the others were, you know, paying me back, and I paid around six hundred euros. So for six hundred euro being paid at once, one time, let's say, uh, yeah, I had to pay near. Uh, wow. Steel is a lot. Steel, a lot. So that that is another reason. So cashless is like the holistic point of view with, of course, important issues to address. And two examples would be maybe the one I just mentioned here, paying less abroad. And the second, which was the first I did mention about when you go out, you know, and with family, friends, and that you have to share the, the, the bill. You know, so, and I'm sure there are plenty of examples examples here that, that would make it relevant to consider a stable coin for society. Just to, to summarize this part of the podcast before we move to 5G. So what would you what would you be your prediction for next year about Facebook Libra? The, are they sorry, but are they are they gonna when are you gonna launch again? It was like first quarter? Uh, they are supposed to launch during the first semester of 2020. First semester, yeah. So in the first semester, um, like a year from now, what do you see Facebook Libra? After, let's say six months after the launch. Oh, that was always <laughs> very tough when you have to, you know, do some predictions there. Because, I know, right? You know, Let me do. I don't know. Do you want to say something about just to summarize? For next I, I would, year. Uh, first, I would say that I don't know, for sure. I don't know, but no then one I, else. I, I, no I, one I can else. have an idea. Yeah, so it's important because sometimes we hear, you know, some big predictions and some sort of, uh, uh, yeah, forecast from any everything and anything. Then, and then you know, it's it, it becomes tough to uh, to find something proper in the ocean of bullshit we can have sometimes. But I don't know first, but I can have a feeling. And my feeling is that Libra might be launching eventually. And now, um, I don't know if it will be next year, but I, I think actually that if you look at what China is doing, because I mean, China is uh, one of the topics we'll be, uh, I guess, addressing later. But if you look at what China has been doing since, because actually we, we consider, just, just for the context, we, we do consider Libra to be some sort of innovation there. You know, it's like, wow, something new, a brand new project and innovative and nice social project with great mission. But if you look at China, which for most people is the country copying, which was true, but it's not necessarily true anymore. China has been actually at the national level digging uh, uh, the, the idea of digital currency by the governments so it's been like five years that's one point and if you look at what facebook is doing and so talking so i did mention the public sector if you look at the private sector like facebook actually they have you know the super app wechat which is owned by uh, tencent but tencent is also the owner of qzone which is another social network in china and actually qzone uh, like a couple of years ago maybe i don't want to say i don't want to be wrong here but i think near 10 years ago was launching some sort of Libra called the QQ coin. So actually what is new to us is not necessarily new to what the Chinese has been doing. And I think that's in the light of the announcement made by Facebook uh, for Libra last June, they realized in China that, that that could potentially be very strong competition in digital currency. So 
for the past five years, the state in China has been digging this idea of digital currency. And as far as, comes, as, far as I'm concerned, if I believe reports, they've been really accelerating things to launch a digital currency in China and kind of thwarts what Libra could be doing in the way that it could impact the international market. So why I do say that is that to answer your question, what would come next? I think that they kind of have to launch something if the US wants to protect the, the hegemony of the dollar on the world economy. I, I surely uh, miss out on many aspects because economy is a super broad topic and very complex and I do not master the ins and outs of everything. But what I can say, from my humble point of view, from what I've observed, is that China is moving very fast. And that Mark Zuckerberg, by the way, has been repeating for the past few months that, yeah, this is, this is real shit. You know, something is happening in China and we need to really look at it closely. That is why I think that things might be moving. And I, I, I believe it might launch. It probably might launch in 2020. But, you know, anything can change course and you never know exactly if this is for real going to happen. But that will be my, my two cents. So yes, probably 2020 and watch out for China there. What is your bet on your side? Oh, my side. Okay. I think it can go either way. Always going to be a flop, a total flop, like no adoption. Like developing countries, like say Western Europe, etc. we already have, you know, we are already cashless. South America, Latin America is pretty much cash-based. I don't know how people would change their habits. Um, obviously, people won't stop using cash, but... So, yeah, I think it can go either way. It could be a total flop that no one would use it or would take off in some regions and other regions not. Well, maybe if I may add something that there could be some sort of wrap-up point here on this yeah. topic, but at least I would say that even if they do not launch, I mean Libra, at least I'm sure that they have sparked something. Because all of a sudden, the word cryptocurrency has become mainstream for billions of people. And I think this is something that really makes something new there. You know? yeah. So even if they don't launch, China will launch. I'm, I'm, I may be wrong, of course, but I'm, I'm pretty convinced that China is about to launch. And actually, the MIT just released this week that they are starting to, they are about, excuse me, uh, to experiment with the national digital currency. So something has been sparked there. How it is going to take shape, that is another topic. Can you explain to people, because I wasn't too familiar with what 5G is, so I had to do a crash course before talking to you today. Just, just uh, watch some YouTube videos. If you could explain quickly for someone that is doesn't know too much about 5G. Well, what's 5G? Okay, well, if you don't understand or apprehend much about 5G, let's talk about 6G flagship program in Finland. Talk about well, what? The, the 6G flagship program being the 6G in, in Finland. Yeah, well, that is a joke, but actually there are, at least as far as I'm concerned, in Finland, China and the US, they've been working on 6G. 
which okay. is going to be a thousand. They want it to be a thousand times faster than 5G. Well, that was just for a side note. Let's go back to to the present time. But by the <laughs> yes. way, six. Well, yeah, no, nothing surprising. It was just a funny note. You said that the world is changing fast. Yeah, of course. Uh, by the way, look it up. 6G flagship program. It's happening uh, in the at the University of Ulu. Uh, o U L. Yeah, I know Finland is ahead of many many sectors i will look it up for sure exactly but, but back to 20 let's say 20 uh, we are about to hit 2020 yeah well first let me let, let me give it a context because i'm not technical expert in 5g and actually i don't want to be a technical expert that's not my field of expertise so that, i think we need everyone me neither. Let, let's make it very simple then we don't go too much into details Let's let's take two examples and explain it with one word to yeah. better understand what 5G is about. Example number one, streaming 8K video in a high-speed trend, easy peasy. Why? Because with 5G, we improve what we call latency. This is word number one, latency. So the ability, as long as we have the tech and we need to improve like our phones as well, I mean, go beyond the first 5G phones. But the idea that tomorrow you take a high-speed high train and you just stream 8K video in a very easy way and no latency. That is example number one. Example number two, you did mention that. It's, for example, downloading a movie, but not one, two or three minutes. No, two, three seconds, maybe five, four seconds. So the second word is speed. So latency speed is the idea that we can have much faster download or an upload speeds and much, much less latency. But I think there's something that is really important to have in mind. Like I, like I really wanted to make a difference between a Facebook ID and a Facebook project. If we talk about 5G, I think we really have to have in mind what is a standalone 5G and a non-standalone 5G. Why? Because most 5G launched today, and the leading countries as I speak are South Korea, the US and China. Most of them, and I think all of them actually, but maybe I'm wrong, people listening should look up to make sure, but as far as I'm concerned, I would say that most if not all of 5G being rolled out today is a non-stand-alone 5G. So what is a non-stand-alone NSA? which has nothing to do with the National Security Agency. <laughs> a non-standalone 5G is simply a 5G that is using the 4G infrastructure. So we can actually improve speeds and latency, but not as much as we could with a standalone SA 5G. A standalone 5G is simply a 5G that is working with a 5G infrastructure. So we need many more antennas, for the 5G to work properly. And then we can really reach to the potential of what 5G is about. So once we have in mind SA or NSA 5G, we can start looking at the news. And I think if we look at the news, as I did mention before, but of course we have experiments in many countries around the world. But I would like to stop some, what I would consider the leading countries on 5G as I speak on, on, on 13 December, would be the US, would be South Korea and, and China, with China leading. So if we just look back at the year, and that's why I think that 5G is a central topic of the year. In, back in April of this year, South Korea very proudly announced that they launched the very, as, as, as the very first country in the world, a commercial 5G for any people in South Korea to, 
to benefit from. And a couple of hours later, some people in the States said, no, no, we've just launched it as well. I, I think it was Chicago or, or other cities. I'm not sure anymore. So there was some sort of battle. There was some sort of battle between both countries in April of this year to claim being the first country to roll out commercial 5G. But I think the big news was not in April, actually. It was in November. And actually on, on the 1st of November. Because of the, on the 1st of November, China, rolled out non-standalone analysis 5G in 50 cities across the country with actually crazy figures to be expected and already announced that they are planning to roll out standalone, so you know the difference now, 5G already in 2020. So straight away in November, when China was launching 5G, it instantly became the biggest 5G market on the planet. So why is it so important? Well, because potentially if we reach to the full potential 5G and I, uh, it, it's like banking with the, it's like cashless society. We obviously have very important issues to address like health, which is much, which is much talk about in, in the media. And I think that's, that's a good thing to, to, to consider and address seriously. But if you put that question aside, why is it so important? Is because the, the potential economic return is absolutely huge there. You know, most of the time, the example we take to illustrate how big 5G could be for society is self-driving cars. Because actually with what we call V2V, vehicle to vehicle communications, we can have through the potential 5G, which is much faster, the ability to actually push self-driving cars to the point where they actually become relevant for society to implement and arouse to the masses. This is just an example, but we could mention other examples like remote healthcare, remote work using hologram or, you know, calling one another without latency, perfect 8K quality, whatever it is. Many, many potential use cases there are to be possible with 5G. And some consider, and I, I must say that I, I agree with them, that 5G is one of the the big breakthrough of technology we have since since a long time ago here. So that's why I think it's so important. And I think that looking, as I always say, not only at the West anymore, of course, looking at the West, but also at the East, China, obviously, but also South Korea, for example, is absolutely essential to better understand what is at stake and how society is reshaping through technology and this tension and pressure and war, actually, between the East and the West with this big deal of 5G. I know, right? It's like China seems to be 10 years ahead in terms of technology, or at least five yeah. years ahead. If you believe actually what... If you believe what uh, Ren Zhengfei, the, the, the chairman of Huawei, say, mm. there would be... Uh, what does he say? Wise, I said, Ren Zhengfei, I mean, I think was claiming to the South China Morning Post earlier this year that they, they, they believe, I mean, at Huawei, this is of course the words, that they are two to three years ahead of any competition. And what is really important to, to have in mind, talking 5G with the huge potential for society, is that actually Huawei is the company that 
owns the most patents on 5G. And that is why you, you start seeing Huawei implementing in the UK, in Spain, and in other countries around the world. And I, I believe this is also why we have this growing tension between the United States and China, because potentially 5G could be the way for China to shift tech power from the US to China. That is to be seen, but that is something we need to consider. We need to really think about because tech innovation means social innovation. So if social innovations derive from China primarily and not from the US anymore, what does that mean for a society like Europe, for example? That's another big question, but really we need to think about that. Yeah. Yeah, well, it's a big question for 2020. Not only, not only, not yeah. only 2020. For many years ahead, I would say. For many years ahead. <laughs> uh, is there anything else you want to say, Dennis? Um, maybe I think, well, Libra and 5G are quite important, but I would say that maybe because it was in the news yesterday or the day before, Actually, the governments of the United States, the United Kingdom and Australia were requiring Facebook to build what we call a back door. So think of a door you can open within messaging services like WhatsApp and Messenger for potential investigative power of the states. And two days ago, I think it was two days ago, Facebook was actually showing an open letter that anybody can find on the Internet to say no to these three governments say, excuse me, I understand that it's tough. We need to balance cost and benefits because encryption, which is the tech used here to protect communications means that the bad guys can use encryption for actually planning stuff that are detrimental for society. But if we balance, it's always about balancing cost and benefits. Facebook believes that having a backdoor can also be leveraged by by bad actors and having impacts. So they decided they will move like they did for WhatsApp, Messenger to encryption for the merging of messengers, the plans for next year. So one of the key topics beside Libra and 5G, I think, which is also a long-term topic, is that we see, and I, and I believe we will keep seeing it over time, a growing tension between the tech sector, the big tech, let's say, and governments. Attention between how do we balance the power of each, you know, how do we define the, the, the frontier between sovereignty of the states and between the power of tech companies, you know, and it's a super tough question because we see that, you know, this uh, sovereign power sometimes is kind of taken over by the private sector. Like, like, like this is one of the fee for, for, for Libra, which is a, a definitely a power of the state there. We have this big topic here today of whether we should have encryption for messaging uh, and how are we going to balance the fact that Facebook says no and the three governments are asking for a backdoor. So I think that's, but that should be a topic for another podcast, but this tension between big tech and state will be, uh, is and is going to remain uh, a key topic for uh, for digital society. Good, good, good. Thank you. That was really insightful. And well, we'll definitely we should do another podcast for future trends, future digital trends, including on our blockchain. My pleasure, Anna. And I think we will have to follow up on, on, on these important stories there. Definitely we will. Thanks for listening. 
The Blockchain PR podcast is available on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Anchor, and all the other podcast platforms.